0: All right. Say, say something <laughs> again.
1: Um, octopuses are very cool.
0: <laughs> what about what about Doctor Octopus from like Spider-Man? Do you have any feelings about him?
1: Like he's pretty cool but also kind of evil. Yeah. I like I do. I find him compelling as a villain.
0: Okay. All right. That's good. Are you excited about him showing up in the new Spider-Man movie?
1: I am. Although I'll be honest, I haven't really been following a lot about the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Which is a shame because I love Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and I'm very yeah, excited. I do too. But I just feel like I've had my head under a rock and like barely watched any trailers or anything. Oh, well, I
0: purposely do that. I don't. I don't like to see like trailers ahead of time. I don't mind if I'm like in a movie theater, but I don't want to watch a trailer for something on like YouTube.
1: That's fair. If I'm like really excited about it, often yeah. I'll be like yeah i can't wait let's yeah. see but like
0: there are certain things about the new spider-man that like everybody's talking about and it seems kind of obvious what kinds of things are going to happen but i still i'm excited for the mystery i support that did you watch the venom movies
1: no yeah the you're, second you're one came fine. out and i was like <laughs> and i was like well i haven't seen the first one. and i was like yeah we're just,
0: yeah you know, yeah I'm yeah just the first one is
1: so weird that it kind of works the same Thanks for tuning in to How's Things, the podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. I'm Allie Stevic.
0: I'm Nick Gunning. Allie, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to be back.
0: Last time we had kind of a dour subject. We were talking about banned books. Not always... That gets under my skin.
1: Yeah, that's understandable.
0: So, I'm excited for our topic today, which is literary one-hit wonders, which I feel like we've talked about in the past, but now we're going to sit down and do it. Though... The book we chose to read together on the list, The Bell Jar, also kind of a downer.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: So next time we need to look ahead and make sure whatever we're doing is fun.
1: Something positive.
0: Pure fun. Pure positivity. All right, let's dive into some bookmark segments. So what What weird antiquated thing have you been reading lately?
1: um let me think i okay. don't think what i've been reading lately has actually been that weird actually no i what? take it back good okay okay the one thing that i'm reading that is maybe a little bit weird and antiquated is <laughs> <laughs> i said to myself i started writing a new story and i said to myself you know what i need to do to research this story uh-huh. uh i need to read Kierkegaard. so okay i'm trying to read fear and trembling just like in my spare time huh. haven't gotten very far yet okay but it's kind of interesting
0: okay have you read him before I have not. Alright, so this is the first. This is the first. So what kind of story are you writing that you need to read Kierkegaard?
1: Well, one of the main characters is like interested in philosophy okay. and things, and I was like, I think this makes sense and will be like yeah. useful kind of background information mm-hmm. and things. So that's yeah. but also sometimes I just get a little into too into research. Oh.
0: Yeah. yeah. A couple
1: years ago I like spent It's a
0: family business, that makes sense.
1: It it is the family business. I so, yeah, but like two or so years ago, I spent like 30 or 45 minutes watching videos about how to administer EpiPens for research <laughs> for a story.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So, if you ever go into anaphylactic shock and you need an EpiPen administered, yeah. I'm pretty confident okay. that I can do it. Well,
0: that's good to know. I don't have any weird allergies or anything, but it's, I'll keep that in well. mind. Um, what kind of story are we talking about? Are we going like novel length? Are we going short story?
1: The dream is novel length. Okay. We'll see where it goes. It's uh, just playing around with it for now, but okay. also reading Kierkegaard to do it. So, you know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> just
0: a little yeah, just a little light reading. Okay. Absolutely. So you're reading that. What's on your like So that's like secondary, right? That's like spare time kind of mm-hmm. reading. What's your primary read at the moment?
1: So, I am right now reading the second volume of that Kelly Thompson Black Widow comic. Oh. Okay. I'm enjoying it. I'm liking it more than the first volume. Yeah. So, I'm kind of excited to see where things keep spinning out yeah. and it's got Yelena in it, so I'm enjoying that and they're kind of like gradually picking up these like other like Uh young women superheroes and things and kind of making this dream team and there's some like chaotic parenting vibes with Elena and Black Widow arguing about mm, how they should be taking mm-hmm, care of this girl mm-hmm. that they picked up and so okay. it's a lot of fun. All
0: right. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first volume and at the time, like when we were doing our if you know what, if you haven't listened to our Black Widow episode, go back and listen to Allie and I talk about Black Widow, soundclub.com slash all the books, or anywhere you get your podcast or on YouTube. Uh but I was I read the first volume. And the issues that made up the second volume weren't yet released on Marvel Unlimited, which is their, mm-hmm. you know, their app. Mm-hmm. And so I was waiting for it to come out in print. And then I just forgot about its existence until this moment. So
1: that's fair. I'll uh, I'll exists. get on the horse.
0: Sorry, it's so reading some Black Widow. Anything else?
1: I just finished reading these Sherry comics, which we now have yes, in the collection. We
0: do. Two volumes. Yeah. Yes.
1: I thought they were really good. Okay. I enjoyed it. It was a fun time.
0: Did you read any of the, like Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther stuff?
1: Uh, no. I just was like... Sk- skipped right to the shuri yeah. stuff because i was like shuri is cool and i'm excited
0: i'm not sure how relevant it would be but when i looked when i like just thumbed through the shuri books the style like the artistic style was very similar to the tanahisi coats run on black panther so i wondered if it was kind of a spin out of that or totally different
1: but i think there were some like things that were related because here and there okay. would be like see this black panther issue to see uh, what happened here okay. so i intended at some point kind of go backwards and mm-hmm. get to those but
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's on the list we'll get to it eventually
0: okay uh, do you look at, do you use any of the, um, you know, like uh, Goodreads or Storygraph or anything like that? I do to use Goodreads. Yeah. I've been trying uh, a new one called Storygraph, which is fun. And it gives you a lot more, like when you rate it, you can rate it a lot more specifically. Like you can say, okay, this was adventurous or this was mm. humorous or whatever. And so it makes the recommendations and stuff really cool. Plus it's independently owned. And as much as I love Goodreads, I hate a monopoly. So, Understandable. you know, I've been trying to uh, spread it out a little bit, but um, Goodreads does have the Goodreads Choice Awards up right now. Have Mm -hmm. you seen any of those?
1: I've looked at those a little bit, yeah.
0: I am usually pretty good. Like, I've read a couple of things. That really wasn't the case this year. I don't know what my deal was. I only read just a couple scattered throughout there. And so I was looking in a little bit, um, and I picked up, uh, while we're talking graphic novels, I picked up one of the graphic novels that uh, is in the... It's in the finals for the Goodreads Choice Awards. And that was The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag. And this is... The characters are 15, so I think you could kind of go either way, whether you're putting it in like a, a, a junior graphic novel or a YA, I'd probably lean towards YA, but it's kind of a little romance between this girl and uh, a girl who's like a selkie, you know, like who's mm. a seal half the time. And I That's don't know. Always good. It was just, it was fun. Like it was just lighthearted and the art was really good and I thought the story was compelling and I'm ready for a sequel. So it gets my vote.
1: You know what? I'm always here for a Selkie story. Are
0: you? <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> like, rarely do I read a Selkie story and think, that huh. wasn't a good time.
0: But it's not rare that you read a Selkie story?
1: Like, there's a finite number of Selkie stories out there. Okay. And I probably have made, honestly, a fairly small dent even in that genre. <laughs> but anytime <laughs> it's happened, I'm always like, yes, yeah. Selkie story. I am so excited. I
0: don't think I've ever said the word Selkie before. And I don't recall reading a story involving a Selkie, but I can't say that anymore. How, have you been reading any of the YA or Junior graphics?
1: You know, I just read Anya's Ghost, which is one of those yeah. YA graphics. Older,
0: kind of a classic. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: And it's like one that's been on my list for a while. Yeah. And I've been like, yeah, I want to get to this. It was really fun. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought the art style was really cute. And the story was like, kind of the right amount of like spooky and sort of unsettling. And yeah. so great Fun. read for fall.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, did we cover all your stuff? I feel like I jumped in with my graphic novel. Were there other things you read that you wanted um, to tell me about?
1: What other things have I read? You know, I've read a couple of those Stacey Lee books recently. Oh, yeah. I read Secret of the Heart Note, which is yes. about love witches who make mm-hmm. perfume to help people fall in love. Yeah. And it has some of the like kind of traditional elements of like a YA kind of romance okay. story. But I thought that the like whole perfume thing was just kind of quirky mm. and fun. Okay. And that really made it, I thought, really enjoyable. I also read The Downstairs Girl, which is historical fiction. So okay. a bit of a different feel. And that one was really good too. Huh. I often find with historical fiction that sometimes it can be just a little bit of a downer. Because mm. it's like they have to you know yeah, be, <laughs> be, true be true to the yeah, exactly. history yeah, exactly. and sometimes yeah. the history is just kind of like well yeah and even though there was like some hard things in the book and like challenging racial dynamics and stuff i still felt like it ended on a really positive note it felt believable and was satisfying and so i totally recommend the downstairs girl to anyone okay. and everyone it was great wow
0: okay no reservations no That's reservations nice. stacy lee was recently uh, the keynote speaker at a system-wide conference that we had and i really enjoyed her i haven't read any of her books but i really enjoyed her presentation absolutely you know, that it made was great. me want to read her that's books, why i so. read these books there you go she's got a new fan because of that <laughs> uh i read something that disappointed me and that was the last thing he told me by laura dave mm. so this has been on the adult hardcover fiction bestseller list for i don't think it is currently but it was for a long time just weeks and weeks and weeks it was a reese witherspoon book mm-hmm. club pick whatever uh and was just really popular and typically, I like that sort of—I don't know. I mean, it's—it's a—it's a mystery, but it's not really like a murder mystery. It's like we got to figure out what this situation is all about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Didn't do it for me. Mm. It felt very lifetime movie-esque, mm. and I'm a little puzzled by its popularity. Hm. I mean, I read it quickly, and it—it it wasn't that I was like bored necessarily. It just never went to the depth that I would—I was hoping it would go. Like, it took a lot of easy way outs where it oh. sort of felt like. All the people that you want to be noble and good were. And I feel like the sentimentality of that kind of made it like a nothing story.
1: Mm, that is know. disappointing.
0: It left me with a lot of... I couldn't help but think like, well, if you would have taken a turn here, if there would have been more of a twist, it was just very straightforward and I found that very uninteresting. That's but
1: the one. It has a pretty cover though, right? It does have a cool cover. So redeeming yeah, quality. You're right.
0: you're right. And again, major bestseller. So, you know. I'm just one idiot. That's, that's, that's it. Uh, I've been reading a lot of The Incredible Hulk. Your feelings on The Incredible Hulk?
1: I haven't read any of The Incredible Hulk stuff. Okay. I do like The Hulk in the MCU, though, so I have mm-hmm. positive feelings about The Hulk.
0: How do you feel about the Ed Norton Hulk?
1: I don't know enough to speak to that. I'm have afraid. you not seen that movie? I don't think I have.
0: Oh, I like that. That was... I mean, it is in the MCU. Robert Downey Jr. is in it, and William Hurt, who's, who is uh, General Ross... Um, continues to show up throughout the mcu Uh, i liked it i thought it was really cool ed norton is you know hulk and banner and liv tyler is betty ross just a good cast Um, and some some more of those characters tim roth who plays um the abomination and that is going to be in she hulk i think Mm. so uh but it's cool it's a very different take than mark ruffalo so it's kind of hard to like you know make those things make sense uh, Mm -hmm. in your head as being sort of existing in the same world. But I liked it a lot. Uh, But I've been reading, well, I wanted to read a series that is just wrapping up right now called Immortal Hulk. And it's almost more of a horror comic. It kind of deals with the concept of like Hulk and therefore Banner like can't really die. And so it goes to more like mystical kind of, I don't know, I guess just horror ask uh, places that the Hulk doesn't normally go to. So I'm only two volumes in it's 50 issues, but I'm liking it so far. And it's, uh, it's surprising that they can come up with something new to do with the Hulk. That's
1: always fun. So when they can, I like that pull a new thing for you. Uh,
0: and on the other side of that, I'm reading one called totally awesome Hulk, which is geared a little bit more towards, I would say the YA market. It's a different, it's not Bruce Banner. Who's Hulk. It's Amadeus Cho. Who's like the super genius who sort of cures Bruce of the Hulk, And Amadeus has it, and he can control it a little bit better, so he's kind of like having fun with it. So Hmm. totally different, like polar opposite takes on the Hulk, because it's kind of weird to be reading them concurrently. But I've been in a Hulk zone, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Novel-wise, I'm reading A Slow Fire Burning by Paula Hawkins. So she wrote uh, Girl on the Train. Hmm. And I can never remember. I I always want to say Lady in the Water, but I think that's the M. Night Shyamalan movie nobody likes. (laughs) <laughs> but I haven't read that, but I did read Girl on the Train. Did you read that one? I have not. You know, it's uh, it's soapy and it, it, it's kind of a product of its time. It was when we had all of these like, you know, dark, damaged, drunk heroines coming through. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, mm-hmm. that was like a real, it was a hot minute there in, in pop lit when that was happening. Um, but I really liked Girl on the Train. I thought it was kind of, you know, above some of the, um, I don't know, wannabes. Uh, But so far, Slow Fire Burning is good. Very different vibe. um, But you can still kind of feel that Paula Hawkins flavor in there. So I'm liking it. I'll keep you posted.
1: I'll be curious to hear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was written in 1427. No, I'm just kidding. That's that's more your kind of book. That's true. Uh, (laughs) And finally, finally, the best of Archie Christmas comics. Are you an Archie fan? I feel like we've had this conversation, but I need to know.
1: I don't think I am.
0: It's never too late. It's never too late. I... It was like the highlight of my week to like save up enough money to buy like an Archie Digest from the grocery store or whatever. And if I could get a double digest, forget about it. I was happy for <laughs> at least a couple of days. So Archie, just like with Halloween, I feel like I can't get through a Halloween or a Christmas without reading some Archie themed stuff. So that's my, uh, that's my fun, relaxing read at the moment. Are you watching anything good?
1: I've been watching the Hawkeye show.
0: <gasps> oh, you're so hip. How what do you think? <laughs>
1: I'm liking it so far. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy because I read that Hawkeye run that's a oh, Matt Fraction, mm-hmm. I think it is. Yep. And I really liked those. And when some of the like posters and trailers and things started coming out, I was like, oh, it looks like they're taking some of that aesthetic Absolutely. and like pulling yeah. a lot of content. And so I was like, yes, I'm so excited. Yeah. And I feel like so far it's definitely held up to my expectations mm-hmm. for that. And they're definitely telling a different story, but I think it... Pulls a lot of the same kind of feeling, okay. and um, but still kind of brings new new stories, which yeah. is fun. So I'm I'm happy so far. I love Kate Bishop. I'm so yes. excited. <laughs> I've
0: so I've only watched the first episode, okay. but I really like it. I mean, it wasn't like I'm not going to watch anymore. I just like haven't gotten back to it. But I also read the Matt Fraction run, um, and I like Haley Steinfeld in mm-hmm. like anything she's in. We've been watching the Dickinson show over on oh, Apple, yeah. Apple mm-hmm. Plus, and she's great in that. So I am excited for it. Uh, did you know that Kelly Thompson wrote a Hawkeye run starring Kate Bishop that we have in the collection?
1: I did. I've been meaning to get that because I, I looked and I was like, wait, this looks similar, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's the one I've read. Right. So it's no. been,
0: no, it's, kind it's of on my list. The next thing. So I think it's checked out at the moment, but we do have it. That's how hip we are. Uh, so okay. Hawkeye, anything else?
1: Hawkeye. Um, I went to see Eternals in theaters. Oh,
0: okay. I haven't seen it.
1: I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I really like i don't know when i've gone into a marvel movie with so little idea of what Mm. to expect i was like we're just gonna we're just gonna see and i i thought it was a pretty good time i enjoyed it
0: all right i've read uh, i've read the neil gaiman eternals and the first i ever read was jack kirby stuff from the 70s which is so weird it's just such a bizarre thing so when they announced that i thought it was I guess I reacted in the same way when they said they were going to do Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, why? For who? (laughs) Who wants that? So I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I haven't gotten there yet. We've been watching... uh, I mean, so we started Hawkeye. We've been watching uh, Star Trek Prodigy, new Star Trek show. Um, But the thing that I think I'm most invested in right now is the morning show, And that's uh, that's Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Mm. Carell. Have you heard of it?
1: Uh, Slightly.
0: Okay. It was like the big... One of the major shows when Apple TV Plus launched. And we watched the first season pretty quickly. And the second season, I want to say, just wrapped. And we're about halfway through it. It is just a really intricate, compelling kind of drama that's set behind the scenes of like a Today Show, Good Morning America kind of Mm. thing. And it starts because... Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell play these, like, you know, beloved anchors of this morning show, you know, like partners mm-hmm. for 15 years and stuff. And it comes out that he's kind of a sex monster and, you know, gets taken down. So it's, it's right. It, it's kind of set a little bit behind our time. So it's, so it's right as like the Me Too movement was really taken off. Okay. And it's just interesting because Steve Carell, you know, is like the most likable actor there is mm-hmm. for him to be playing a character like that is just is really interesting and jennifer anison is great in it uh, billy crudup's really good in it um reese witherspoon it's just it's a great cast every time like a new person shows up i'm like oh wow uh-huh. and it is just like star-studded so that's the one that i'm like most excited when when our son's in bed and it's like what should we watch morning show <laughs> so that's my current it's my current choice that and head of the class is a sitcom on hbo max that we've liked we're trying to like the end of the year we're like all right we have too many streaming services I feel like when the pandemic hit we were like get all the streaming services you <laughs> yep. know and now we have an overload where we can't possibly watch enough. Do you have a streaming service of choice? What's your favorite?
1: Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. My family uses Amazon Prime okay. so that's what I use mm-hmm. and then I like sometimes mooch off my sister's Netflix and uh, I'm okay. like oh I want to watch uh-huh. this thing and uh-huh. I can't get it elsewhere.
0: I feel like Apple is the one that seems to have the shows that i'm most interested in but they don't have a ton of shows Mm. you know what i mean it's not like this huge library of things but like the shows that i've liked the most i think feel like in the last you know year or so have been uh apple shows but there's so much out there now it's kind of overwhelming like when hawkeye started it was like there's so many things happening at once but um and so often
1: i feel like i'll like see trailers and things for like some show or some movie and i'm like that looks amazing and then i look and it's like only on this streaming service yep and there's like so many of them and it's like one thing i want to watch yeah on each streaming service and i'm like we can't do this yeah
0: i so my wife has a huge uh, wheel of time robert jordan fan are you familiar with that fantasy series or, a little it, bit you know,
1: i'm aware of what it is yeah
0: and so that just started and so we have like a temporary subscription to prime which took a lot because amazon is my mortal enemy
1: understandable but
0: um, she's loving that, and i'm I've been enjoying it too. I've only read the first two of the books. I'm not normally a big fantasy reader, but she loves those books and the series has been pretty good it's It's obviously accelerating the story a little bit mm-hmm. because those are like a thousand page books and there's fifteen of them so right it's kind of a blend of things that happen in later books being introduced earlier. So you can kind of like thread that needle a little bit. Um, so it's working for me as somebody who only has like a basic knowledge of it. But Hillary, who's like I said, like this is her favorite uh, is pretty okay with the changes too. So it seems like it's been pretty successful so far. That's cool.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. My family, we were like, Oh, this looks cool. We're going to watch this. We yeah. watched the first episode and okay. like the first 30 seconds of the next one. Cause you know, autoplay. Yeah. Uh huh. And we were like, this is pretty good. And then we were like, this is also a little, maybe just a little violent for us. And so uh, yeah, we, we dropped it. That's, we were mm-hmm. kind of sad of like, this seems interesting, but also just maybe a little more than we want.
0: I So I've seen the first four episodes and the, you know, this starts the same way as the book. That there's this like massive attack mm-hmm. on this village. None of the episodes after that have had that level of violence. Okay. So do with that what you will good to know but starting
1: in the second one we were like okay this also this feels like maybe more of the same we're not sure (laughs) it's
0: it's i mean it's definitely front-loaded with that and i think from a story standpoint that has to be so bad to get the characters to do what they have to do so right you know i think it kind of makes sense but that's not to say it's going to shy away from violence but i think that's probably kind of an outlier
1: good to know yes speaking of speaking of shows that are exclusive on streaming services (laughs) i was seeing ads for that only murders in the building show on hulu and i was like i don't have hulu so i'm gonna find a friend who has hulu and be like Uh watch this with me and exactly (laughs) (laughs) and so i've seen the first oh i don't know maybe five or so episodes okay and it's been pretty good so far i'm enjoying it
0: i love steve martin i love martin short so i'm, I'm and i think selena gomez's
1: character is so fun oh too. yeah mm-hmm. okay I, I
0: haven't seen her in much i mean i've liked her in the things i've seen her in. right
1: but yeah kind of same i think
0: yeah we actually do have hulu because they had they did like a black friday thing where you could get a year of it for a dollar a month and so oh. we were like bye 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 <laughs> so now we're gonna watch that that's like at the top of my list that was the thing that's... i was sad about missing oh all right well let's uh let's turn over to the world of book news for a moment
1: Look into the future
0: to see what it proves. It's time for bookness. Okay, here is the hardcover fiction bestseller list for December 12th, 2021. Any guesses? Anything you think is going to be on there?
1: Uh, my mind is blank. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're regretting hiring me right no, now. I... You're like, this, this was a mistake. <laughs> it's
0: not the YA list, it's the adult list. That's not fair. All right, here we go. Number 10, two weeks on the list Mercy by David Baldacci. Can't do it. Tried can't do it. Not a Baldacci fan. The fourth book in the Attlee Pine series. Atley discovers her twin sister survived an abduction at the age of six. Oh wowzer, that'd be a surprise.
1: That would be a surprise.
0: Number nine, eight weeks on the list. The Lincoln Highway, which I think is just a long commercial with Matthew McConaughey. If I'm correct, <laughs> no, this is a book by Immortals. Two friends who escaped from a juvenile work farm take Emmett Watson on an unexpected journey to New York City in 1954. little historical fiction does that do anything for you
1: i i I don't know what to tell you You, like it's words and i'm like okay okay. all
0: right all right but but if this was like a bbc miniseries from 1997 you'd watch every episode probably (laughs) number eight flying angels by danielle Steele. man she's the flying angel The, the words just fly off her pages because there's a new danielle Steele book every six minutes Uh, Six women joined the medical air evacuation transport squadron during world war II. I read a book that was about something sort of similar called radar girls by Sarah Ackerman. Didn't really work for me. So, Mm. you know, maybe this one, if you're a Danielle Steele fan, number seven new this week, and it wouldn't be Christmas without Richard Paul Evans turning out another small, but chunky hardcover book. Uh, Rochelle writes a book about her estranged and deceased twin sister. Another twin sister. Yeah, I
1: feel like there's a thing with twin sisters right now. Do you like, think
0: she's also going to come back? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. This is called The Christmas Promise. Anyway, she's writing this book about her estranged and deceased twin sister. Can you be both estranged and deceased?
1: I mean, you could be estranged first and then deceased. I guess. I don't know that you could be deceased first and then estranged. unless. Or
0: isn't everyone who's deceased? estranged in a manner of speaking
1: it's like a not estranged by choice Mm -hmm. necessarily Mm
0: -hmm. right right but i mean the facts are the same uh the the book that she's writing within the book is called the prodigal daughter that to me says there's a return coming that's all it does kind of seem that way and you know like first rule of anime
1: if there's no body you know
0: is that the first rule of anime
1: i think that's what i've been told oh okay all right
0: uh number six four weeks on the list the stranger in the lifeboat by mitch album you know I like me some Mitch album. Have you read Tuesdays with Maury? Anything like that?
1: I haven't. It's been like yeah. kind of on the radar, but mm-hmm. not something that we've gotten to.
0: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. They're they're very, <laughs> they're very quick reads. They're very sentimental. Tuesdays with Maury is nonfiction. And then everything that's come after that, I think everything that's come after that has been fiction. And every time I read one, I'm kind of like, that was pleasant. And then I just move on with my life. You okay. know, it's not like I have to read the latest Mitch album book, but I'm usually satisfied when I do. How's that? well, that's nice. Put that on the book cover. (laughs) (laughs) Not required reading, but you could do worse. (laughs) Nick Gunning, how's things? Uh, Number five, nine weeks on the list, The Wish by Nicholas Sparks. Maggie Dawes, a renowned travel photographer, struggles with a medical diagnosis over Christmas. It's even Christmas-themed.
1: That just, it feels like a, you know, one of those Hallmark movies.
0: Yes, it does. Yeah. This is probably going to be a A uh, Hallmark movie. uh, Yes. Or or a major motion picture starring Josh Duhamel. I don't know. (laughs) One of those. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I take it you're not a Nicholas Sparks fan.
1: Not really. I've kind of avoided.
0: Never. Never read a Nicholas Sparks. Nope. Seen any of the movie adaptations. Nope. Wow. What a rich life you lead. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, new this week, Fear No Evil by James Patterson. Just James Patterson. And that's rare these days
1: isn't he also one of the ones who like writes a new book every six minutes
0: well he has interns who write a new book every six minutes i see how it is but this one is an alex cross book and the alex cross books are only attributed to james patterson and i tend to believe it why lie you know what i mean he's not shy about throwing up co-authors so i think he really wrote it it's the 29th book wow in the alex cross series cross fights the mastermind who has stalked him for years all the cross books i feel like that pretty much that synopsis would work for but i still i still kind of <laughs> like him.
1: a lot of stalkers or just the same one over and over just
0: alex cross has some long-running like supervillain that comes back and terrorizes him for a while
1: but like how many long-running supervillains can you have
0: well it's 29 books so
1: but like what do you do to get yourself 29 long-running supervillains? he makes a lot of enemies
0: he uh he locks a lot of people up you know
1: mm, fair enough
0: number three six weeks on the list the judges list by john grisham I was talking about this book when Kate was on uh, in the last episode. It's just not good, and that makes me sad (laughs) because I love John Grisham. This is a sequel to the book The Whistler, and had I known that prior to picking it up, I probably wouldn't have picked it up because I hated The Whistler. But uh, the basic plot here, investigator Lucy Stoltz goes after a serial killer, uh, and she closes in on a sitting judge who is the serial killer. The problem with it is the premise is the same as the resolution i don't like it where like Mm. if you read a synopsis for a book and then read the entire book you have the same information from both and that's really what this book felt like to me it was like yeah that was the premise and here we go you know
1: Uh that makes sense yes it's like movie trailers they give away the ending and you're like now i don't have to see the movie exactly
0: exactly Looking at you, Dream House, starring <laughs> Daniel Craig and Rachel Wise. <laughs> Number two, new this week The Becoming by Nora Roberts. Good for her. I feel like I haven't seen a Nora Roberts in the hardcover bestseller list in a while. Okay. The second book in the Dragonheart Legacy series Breen returns to Talam as her grandfather Ordon plots destruction.
1: That sounds like fantasy? Is that fantasy? It
0: sure does sound like fantasy.
1: I didn't realize she wrote fantasy. Well,
0: she she had a series that was about witches. Oh, okay. And I sort of felt like that was the first, like, dipping her toe into sort of a, you know, mm-hmm. magical kind of world. But this sounds like straight-up fantasy, and that is a little surprising to me. Her mystery books um, that she writes under the pseudonym J.D. Robb, there's, like, 75 of those. Naked in Death.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot of them.
0: Dead in Death. I don't know. Those are sci-fi. Those are set, like, in the future. Oh, and okay. And have, like, futuristic... <laughs> cop thing listeners
1: you can't see the handguns yeah they just said I think when you they're said laser futuristic hand, hand lasers. laser
0: pistols <laughs> thank you for telling them <laughs> number one new this week and this is a boat that i have completely missed uh go tell the bees <laughs> go tell the bees that i am gone i love that title
1: that's quite the title. I love that
0: title. The ninth book in the Outlander series. As the Revolutionary War moves closer to Fraser's Ridge, Claire and Jamie reunite with their daughter and her family. Book nine. Have you read Outlander?
1: I have not. And I got to say, mm-hmm. the title sounds better than the synopsis.
0: Yes, I agree. This is probably not a series you want to watch with your parents. <laughs>
1: Good to know. <laughs> uh,
0: it is also sci-fi. She, I want to say she is transported way back in time to scotland like centuries ago okay outlander and that's the series but the uh the (laughs) i think both the books and the the tv series are like notoriously sexual
1: oh okay i've heard good things about them yeah but i've always just kind of been like i don't know well there's
0: there's so many and never gone for it i'm just like with Nora roberts i'm both surprised and impressed that this book is a Number one in hardcover fiction. Any on the list here, besides the title of Go Tell the Bees That I'm Gone, any on the list here pique your interest at all?
1: I was a little interested in that one about women doing cool things during World War II.
0: Danielle Steele. Yeah. Flying Angels. You okay. know,
1: I'm off and down for women doing cool things sure. during World War II. Yeah.
0: Uh, Strangers in a Lifeboat, the Mitch Albom one. Well, I like a good stranded on a desert island, stranded... In a raft, <laughs> anytime you know, castaway, whatever. Anytime somebody's like, Well, here I am, I've got to make a life for myself. Have in this you seen boat.
1: Joe versus the volcano? I
0: love Joe versus the volcano. I love
1: that bit where he's just on the raft playing the cowboy uh-huh. song. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep, good things.
0: That is, uh, I feel like if you know like the, the Meg Ryan Tom Hanks duo from like you've got mail or sleepless in seattle and then you watch joe versus a volcano you're like what's happening
1: oh i think you're absolutely correct
0: because it is such a weird movie and it's truly like one of my favorite movies of all time and i try to like i've tried to show i'm like oh you got to watch this movie and every time i watch it with someone they've been like
1: (laughs) what's going on what
0: (laughs) meg ryan plays multiple roles it's kind of and they're all so weird except for the one who's like Great, but I like, like the one where she's like, "Do you think I'm a flibbertigibbet?" The middle cracks me up.
1: <laughs> I like the one where I have no response to that. <laughs> just to everything. Yeah, and
0: it's the whole like world of that is very surreal. You mm-hmm. know, like on the one hand, a lot of it just feels like you're watching a realistic movie, and then there's these just like surreal elements peppered throughout that just kind of make the whole movie off kilter in a way that i find delightful
1: Mm -hmm. i would agree with that well
0: i didn't expect to be talking about joe versus a volcano but i'm here for it (laughs)
1: let's
0: talk about some one hit wonders not unlike the wonders themselves in the tom hanks movie that thing you do (laughs) I'm bringing, Dad, it Dad, all, Dad. I'm bringing it all back to Tom Hanks. Oh yes.
1: Okay. Naturally, naturally.
0: So we're going to be looking at a list from Bustle. This list originally was published April 23rd, 2018, by E. C. Miller, and we put it out on the How's Things Twitter, which you can find on Twitter at All the Book Show. So go find that. We're going to be walking through them a little bit. Uh, let's start right here at the top of the list. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to make it a competition, but. By the end, we'll just see which one of us...
1: I'm going to lose. ...has
0: read the I'm gonna lose. most books on the list. And it's not...
1: Now you really will regret hiring me. You'll be like, <laughs> I need to cast out this hypocrite.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like most of the books that I've read on here, I read in like the last two years. So, uh, But first on the list here, Catcher in the Rye uh, by J.D. Salinger. Have you read any Salinger?
1: I've read some of the stories. I oh, read really? that one that has the quote about... It's something like... She was something about leaning a woman leaning on the balcony, looking out, doing nothing except holding the world together or something yeah. like that. You know that quote? And I mm-hmm. was like, that's intriguing. I'll read the story. The story wasn't what I was expecting, but it was pretty good.
0: Okay. I So I read this, gosh, not long ago, two, two three years ago uh, for a book club here. It was Banned Books Week, and this was the one we were doing. Catcher in the Rye, also Christmas-themed, which is kind of fun. So perfect time hmm. to uh, to read it as well. Did know. Now. I love it. I mean, it really... I mean, first of all, the main character just has such a bad attitude that that just cracks me up. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because of that. Something about the writing, to me, I feel like if you put a new cover and title on it and just like put it in somebody's hands, I think you really could convince somebody that it was written like this year. It mm-hmm. just has a really dynamic kind of feel to it that seems like it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe not like the number one bestseller, but it would be like the book that everybody's talking about all right. kind of thing. So. I, I was really impressed with it and very pleasantly surprised because I feel like this is one that most people, not us, typically read, you know, in high school or mm-hmm. around that time. So I wasn't sure uh, if reading it as an adult would work, but um, it did. So I like it and I recommend it. And if you don't read it, <laughs> you're out. You're <laughs> the streets, out the door. Out on the street. Well,
1: you're selling it pretty well. Like I'm more interested in reading it oh. now than I was before. Well, if I were. knew be before. All I knew was the title is The Catcher in the Rye mm-hmm. and it's one of those high school classic books. Mm-hmm. So you know but still
0: no i think it works what do we got next here
1: weathering heights by emily bronte hey guess what what read it you read it i haven't read it yet i know i know what happens but i haven't read it yet
0: this surprises me because this is like, I this, feel like is this is like my kind of book isn't it? yeah mm-hmm. okay
1: well see what happened is okay as we were working our way this into feels like, like an
0: excuse okay
1: sh- let me make my excuse and, and then you can complain afterward <laughs> <laughs> as we were working our way into like this kind of fiction like the older the okay. victorian regency stuff yeah when you're younger Wuthering heights maybe isn't the book you want to read when mm-hmm. you're like you know 14 or so sure and so i was like oh we're just gonna put this one off because we're not ready for it mm-hmm. it's a lot wild times yep. scary things happen and then once i got to the age where i was like oh yeah we can read Wuthering heights i've just been busy reading other things and got haven't it. gotten to it i have read jane Eyre, mm-hmm. which is her sister but mm-hmm. Not I have one. not
0: I, I haven't read Jane Eyre, so there you it's go. It's a you pretty have, good time. Like a bummy there. Uh, I I did read Wuthering Heights as an adult, and I feel like while reading it, I wasn't like, what an amazing page turner. But I think my I don't know, my feelings about it have kind of grown over the years as I think about it and I think about the story and the turns it takes um, and just how the characters interact and all the different things that play in the book. I kind of respect that more than I enjoyed like sitting down and reading through it. So maybe Mm. I'd feel differently if I read it now, but I like it. This truly is her only book. So just the one. Mm -hmm. Just the one. So it it is truly a one-hit wonder. Next on the list, Gone with the Wind, which I feel like is probably in everybody's mind... More because of the problematic movie than the actual book itself. But this was Margaret Mitchell's only book. And it won both the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction way back in 1937. Same year this library opened. Oh, wow. So, you know, what's your experience with Gone with the Wind?
1: I haven't read it. Haven't seen the movie? All I know about, I haven't seen the movie, is something like some quote about the heroine's waist being so small that like the guy's hands could fit all the way around it or something. Jeez. don't look at my hands my hands are tiny that is concerning you're like a Disney (laughs) mouse yeah (laughs) um that's all i know about con with the wind okay right there
0: uh i i haven't read it my friend sarah read it seemed to enjoy it i've got nothing more to add okay okay what do we got now
1: we have got to kill a mockingbird by harper lee
0: also one as i read an adult also one that i read for a book club
1: also, one I have not read. Have
0: yet. not read. Have not read. Okay. Well, here's an interesting one. This so this won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction, and Harper Lee also won the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2007. Um, this is kind of well. So this this was her only published book, but there's also "Go Set a Watchman," which was released in the last couple of years, which I know we've talked about off mic a little bit. Mm-hmm. But "Go Set a Watchman" almost doesn't count as a second novel because it was the first draft of To Kill a Mockingbird that was submitted and they were like, no, we love these flashback scenes when Scout's a little girl. So can you like focus on that? And so she kind of just shelved Ghost Set a Watchman* and pretty much started from scratch. So you see the events of To Kill a Mockingbird. The two don't jibe 100%. Like the the we're, the events that are covered in both are slightly different because mm-hmm. they're, they're sort of different tellings of that. So they don't work 100%. And I feel like a lot of the negative feelings about Ghost at a Watchman was because it just kind of put out there, and it felt like a cash grab. It wasn't in like a, you know, a special edition with a big forward that explained what it was or anything. It oh, was, right. it was just like, here's Harper Lee's long forgotten sequel, you and know? To uh, yeah, to Kill I feel a like that's
1: that's not that's not how you want to do it as a writer. Yeah, that just makes me cringe. Yeah. the idea and, of I someone mean, just being like, here, this draft, it's yeah. a new book.
0: It was published in her lifetime. I mean, she okayed it. Um, but I really think that it would have been a lot more well-received if it was a little bit more, like, put out like a scholarly thing. Just exactly. Like, here's exactly what you're about to read. Because it's, I think it's a very good book, you know. And, like, if you take away the history of it and everything and read the book side by side, I actually kind of prefer Ghost Set of Watchmen. Mm. I just think it's a more interesting story. And the the relationships between the characters, to me, are just a little bit more... I don't know, well thought out. I don't know. Uh, both are great though. And To Kill a Mockingbird, um, I think it's in some ways kind of hard to go back and I've, I've said this before, but because so many things have copied it, Mm. it feels a little bit like it's a retread, but it's the originator, you know? Right. So definitely worth the read. I kind of wondered if it was put out today, if it would be considered YA because you're really following a younger character and it's Mm. from a younger character's perspective. Um,
1: well, and I feel like it is one of those books that like often people will kind of give to teenagers and be like, this is a book you should read. Yeah. And so I feel like there is something about that that mm-hmm. kind of has that Yeah. YA feel maybe. Well, it,
0: it moves quickly. And I think because it's written from a, a younger character's perspective, it's something about that makes it a little easier to digest, I think, because mm-hmm. you're seeing things through, you know, younger and, and uh, more immature kind of eyes. But I like it uh we've got the invisible man by ralph ellison i have not read the invisible man by ralph ellison
1: i have not either i've been meaning to for a long time because um there's this series chasing vermeer by blue valley it's like a middle grade kind of thing okay and the sequel which is the right three makes a lot of references to The Invisible Man and some of the characters are reading it and things. And I was like, that's really cool. I want to mm-hmm. read it. And we haven't gotten to it yet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe you can read this first. Maybe. And so this this was technically the only novel that was put out within his lifetime. But he, you know, he was an SAS. He wrote short stories. Lots of other things out there by him. And technically, a second novel did come out called Juneteenth. And it was compiled from notes uh, that he that he left behind. So, you know do with that what you will but not uh, not strictly speaking a, a finished novel by him but the invisible man won the 1953 national book award and it's a kind of a particular note because he, he was an author of color and so to you know have this legendary sci-fi book come out in the 50s um pretty big deal mm-hmm. and um i i did a great interview with uh, sci-fi author steve barnes and he was talking a lot about his experience trying to break into the world of sci-fi as a black man in the seventies and eighties. And it was still a really difficult thing for him to do. So fascinating conversation. All that to say, I haven't read Ralph Allison's the invisible man, but I want to, (laughs) that should be a Halloween book pick or something.
1: Yeah. That sounds good.
0: Where are we at now?
1: All right. black beauty by Anna is this Sowell, Sewell? Sewell? Sewell?
0: Sewell? I would say Sewell, but, well, you know. We'll just know.
1: throw out some guesses and one of them might <laughs> be right. <laughs>
0: Choose whichever pronunciation you like. I, I'm scared to ask have you read this?
1: I definitely read at least part of it when I was a kid. That counts. I can't remember if I finished it or not.
0: Okay. There was an animated version of this that my wife watched on a loop as a child and she still quotes to this day. But um, I, I have not read this book but it's sold over 50 million copies it's her only novel and it came out just months before she died in 1878 wow. and has pretty much stayed in print and yeah. popular i think mm-hmm. particularly with the younger crowd but you know it's just uh it's just one of those ones
1: dr zivago is that how we pronounce Zivago. That? zivago yes <laughs> <laughs> by boris pasternak
0: okay I have not seen this movie and I haven't read the book.
1: I don't know anything about this. Nothing? I don't think I've even heard of it. Okay. See, now you really want to cast me to the curb.
0: Well, I'm no, I'm going to read you the full blurb then from Bustle. All right. And here you go. Famous for being refused publication in the USSR and being smuggled to Italy before being published in Milan, Dr. Zhivago is Boris Pasternak's 1957 novel that is notoriously complex and at times can read convoluted. It <laughs> takes a critical eye to both the Marxism and the communism that existed between the 1905 Russian Revolution and World War II, one for which he was awarded the Nobel Prize for literature. Hmm. I'd read it.
1: That does sound kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole. I feel like I'm in a Confederacy of Dunces sometimes. It happens every once in a while. Mm. You know.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you know this book? I don't. Uh, the cover that I'm looking at has a big bird on this guy's hat, and I'm I'm really liking that.
1: It does have a certain appeal to it. Yeah. The uh, birds hats.
0: So Pulitzer Prize winner right here. Um, but this was published 11 years after the author died. So that's uh. That's, that's a quite a. That's quite a long time. Um, I guess it deals with the modern day Don Quixote, which I've read abridged versions of Don Quixote.
1: I have not read Don Quixote. You don't. Your family. Doesn't I saw. Sit I saw fire part and of the read movie Don
0: Quixote. Part of the like Man of La Mancha, like the like the musical.
1: Uh, yes, when, I visited my sister's school and they were watching it in Spanish class.
0: Ah, you know what? I watched. Man of La Mancha in school as well but it was for like a novels class like Hmm. we we were reading this um, abridged translation that was pretty highly regarded I mean it wasn't just like you know a great illustrated classic or something but then we also watched Man of La Mancha and I did kind of like Man of La Mancha but none of that has to do with anything uh, on the confederacy of dunces by john kennedy Toole, <laughs> which is the final one on our list outside of the bell jar dun,
1: dun, dun.
0: so when we were talking about this we were like hey we should read one of these and i don't know how we settled on the bell jar but we did what did you think
1: i thought it was really interesting yeah and this is one that's been kind of on my like oh i should read that yeah. but I haven't gotten around to it list for a while mm-hmm. also one that when i was 14 i was like we'll save that one for later oh. which i think was a good call
0: okay yeah well <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
1: but i'm not quite sure what i was expecting but it wasn't quite what i was expecting
0: same yeah i read this so in 2014 joyce carol Oates came here Uh, for a visit and leading up to that visit I read a ton of Joyce Carol Oates and since then I mean I've continued to read her her works and stuff this reminded me so much of a Joyce Carol Oates novel that I feel like Sylvia Plath must have been a major influence on her Mm. because especially the opening sequence and a a lot of what the plot is is this character whose name I'm forgetting Esther. Esther okay is this character Esther um I don't know kind of struggling to fit into a world that she just doesn't fit into and then yeah. kind of slowly descending into madness really yeah wouldn't you say i think so yeah and i feel like that again it's kind of it reminded me also a little bit of catcher in the ride just the way she is kind of has this running commentary about like the world around her and what she sees and and has a little bit of a disdain for it mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah i would say that's accurate yeah. she even the people that she's like oh yeah this person is my friend she also has some like yeah i would say disdain mm-hmm. and like doesn't always think the most positive things about them yeah. and sometimes tries to avoid them and like i'm trying to think if there's a single character in the book that she just like unambiguously really likes and i'm not I, thinking no, of I anyone think so.
0: No, I really don't think so. But, you know, I had the same reaction here when I started reading this. It's like, this just feels so modern. You know, it just it has a timelessness to the writing. Mm-hmm. I think particularly in, in the dialogue and in the social interactions, there's just something about that that I felt like really could play today and be just fine. I don't think you'd have to make a lot of changes. Yeah, I think but that's true. I feel like what's sad about it is, I mean, obviously, it's a story about mental illness and... That is sad in its own way, but I feel like a lot of the issue is really just the confines of a woman's life, the 1950s. Yeah. She's just really struggling against. She just like doesn't understand that world, doesn't understand why she has to fit in the boxes or the bell jars that she's forced to be in. And it just kind of breaks her,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like I think the other thing that I found kind of sad about it is not only that kind of sense of Not fitting and, you know, kind of breaking down, but just the sense of like reading it and the number of times I was like, we could do a so much better job helping someone who's experiencing this today. And so I don't know, just that kind of like, it's like like, whenever you watch, you know, those BBC dramas, like set in the Victorian age or anything, and they're like, oh, so and so sick, we're going to do bloodletting. And you're like, no, please, not that. (laughs) Bring in
0: the leeches.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. It was kind of the same experience of like, just this sense of, intense discomfort oh yeah like there's this one psychiatrist figure who's just awful like barely asks her any questions then it's like oh where did you go to school oh is there there was a wax station there and just like yeah doesn't even really pay attention to what's going on with her and then it's just like oh you need electroshock treatment i'm like what it's (laughs) just
0: yeah it's just kind of a matter of course it's like oh here we got a crazy person just do the thing we do to crazy people i mean that is really the attitude and it's just it's it's very destructive yes to her and i I don't know. I I think there are people in the book whose intentions are maybe good, but a lot of it is misguided. And there seems to be a sense of like, can't you just be normal? You know? Yeah. Like that's kind of Can you just get rid of your crazy? Yeah, can you just stop being like this and just like (laughs) find yourself a nice husband and start popping out kids? You know? I mean that's and I feel like considering the time that it was written in I think the sexual aspects, particularly coming from a female character, mm-hmm. were, would have been pretty shocking like, for the day, right. don't yeah. you think? I mean, and I think that's, you know, a lot of times this is kind of put up as, as you know, a, one of the early, like, feminist writings. What do you think about that?
1: I don't know. I'm not sure if I would, like, I think it has some feminist themes, but I don't know if I would peg it as, like, a this is, this is a feminist writing. Yeah. Because I feel like, partly because she's not very clear about what it is she does in fact want right and so it makes it hard to feel like it's a kind of a story of her being like i want these things and i'm not given them and i'm gonna work for them right Right. it feels more like even though in some ways her big thing is writing and poetry yeah. and again kind of this struggling against the sense that she's supposed to marry down ugh, set, <laughs> settle down and marry this like hometown kind of sweetheart who yeah. she doesn't really like all right. that much even so, like there's so many times where she's like talking to people and things, and there's just this sense that she really doesn't know what she wants or yeah. where she's going, and so I think that made it a little bit more of a confused experience yeah. than I feel like a feminist writing as I would imagine it. Yeah, I would think of, but
0: I yes, I no, I think you're right. I I don't think it's I don't think it's so much that the character herself has well thought out feminist ideals or even specific goals, mm-hmm. but I think what she is constantly bumping up against in her life is that the men around her have the freedom to do whatever they want, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's in the sexual realm or just they can live the life that they want. And the women around them are supposed to just be grateful. You know what I mean? Right. That that a man has taken her in and she just cannot deal with that. She's just like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do that. That's not fair. I don't like it. Yeah. You know? So while it's, Well, I feel like she doesn't really have specific goals. It's like she knows what she doesn't want. And I think that's maybe where, particularly for the 60s, I think where that like feminist ideal Mm -hmm. is attached to it because of that. Because because of her just rejection of of what was expected of women in the 60s.
1: And I think the other thing is that it reminds me a lot of some other texts that I think of as more like feminist texts, yeah. like some Virginia Woolf yeah. and like the awakening by Kate Chopin Okay, it has a very similar feel just in this style almost mm-hmm. to those. And so I feel like it kind of, it falls in place with some of those ones that I okay. feel like are a little more overt. Sure. Yeah. And so I think it has a place in that canon. Mm-hmm.
0: I was looking at the, the uh, contemporary review from 1971 This was written by Robert Scholes for the New York Times. The opening line here is, The Bell Jar is a novel about the events of Sylvia Platt's 20th year, about how she tried to die and how they stuck her together with the glue. It's a fine novel, as bitter and remorseless as her last poems, the kind of book Salinger's Franny might have written about herself 10 years later if she'd spent those 10 years in hell. It's very much a story of the 50s, but written in the early 60s, and now, after being effectively suppressed in this country for eight years, published in the 70s. Because it had a history of... It was only available in the UK. Mm -hmm. The review goes on here to say in the end, Sylvia Plath's mother has insisted that her daughter thought of the book as a potboiler and didn't want it published in the United States. And Mrs. Plath herself felt that the book presented ungrateful characters of people who had tried to help her, which we've already kind of covered. Mm -hmm. Uh, These sentiments are understandable, but a book published in England cannot be kept away from the United States. Already, the student underground has been smuggling copies from abroad into the country literature will out and the bell jar is not a pop boiler nor a series of ungrateful characters. It is literature. It's finding its audience and will hold it. And that's proven to be true. I mean, it's yeah, still, we're still reading it. Exactly. And it's still considered kind of a classic of the, of the Canon. Interesting though, that it, it was allowed to come out in the UK and not the U S for eight years. I mean, yeah. it just kind of kicked around. Well,
1: and there's some like biographical notes in the back of yeah. my copy here, which are pretty interesting. And it says that at first she published it in the UK under a false name yeah. because, Again, some of the characters are kind of yeah represented or you know changed kind of figures. Oh sure, from well life. I mean
0: the friends, her mother, the doctor, right. uh, exactly those very likely have clear uh, parallels.
1: Right. Well, and it's funny to me that because there's also an excerpt in the in these biographical notes of a letter from her mother to the publishers being like, really? "Don't you dare <laughs> <laughs> publish this in the United States!" And like, my daughter's been unwell, and this has unflattering caricatures, people who helped her during yeah. this time, yep. and all these things. And, but it is kind of funny to me because if you read the book, the portrayal of her mother is not flattering particularly. And there's even a bit where she's talking to, not the first psychiatrist who's awful, but the the second one who's a bit better and is like, says more or less that she hates her mother. And the psychiatrist is kind of like, yeah. And so like, I don't know, it doesn't feel um, like an unbiased (laughs) kind of thing to to write this letter and be like, don't you dare publish this in the States
0: it just really works. You know, I think some novels are just kind of timeless. And even though this clearly has kind of a 50s setting, I think something about it just continues to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, you know, picking it up fresh. Like I said, I think you could, I think you could read it as a modern novel and, and be fooled by that into thinking like, sure, it's written in the last couple of years. Right. Set in the fifties, you know, it's historical fiction, but Overall, I I was, I was pretty impressed with it, particularly the writing, particularly the, you know, the realism, I think, that comes across. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's often said that first novels are autobiographical, and clearly this was, I mean, that's accepted and pretty well documented. And so probably some of that is coming through. But even so, I don't think that Esther herself is written as a flattering character. No. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think she set out to be like, look at me, I'm this tragic folk hero in this world. I think she's kind of like, I'm a hot mess and the world sucks. Yeah. I think is kind of the premise of this novel. Yeah. Which is interesting, you know, because I don't think she goes in and tries to, I mean, she talks about suicide attempts and things, which of course we know is a tragic end to Sylvia Plath's story, but I don't think she goes in and tries to really whitewash that main character to make her seem better or less flawed than she is it's a very naked like here we go yeah which i think
1: is fairly impressive because i agree it would be totally understandable to kind of frame it as this again here's all these awful people who you know were doing all these terrible things while i was feeling unwell but again like even just the ways that she represents how she thinks about these people some of them who are you know relatively fine and really trying to help even Mm -hmm. if they're not doing a great job Mm -hmm. yeah it does seem really um honest I guess about that
0: yeah definitely well I know her her husband also wanted to suppress the book and you know I think a lot of that probably are the the views on sexuality and Mm -hmm. sex in particular I mean she feels a little the first half of the book she's kind of like on this quest to just like get rid of virginity because it's like
1: she feels burdened by exactly Yeah. yeah
0: it's like this thing and she just like doesn't want it and I feel like putting something like that in print, particularly at this time would be very like, right. oh, geez, you know? And, and I think,
1: and everyone would be like, oh, so-and-so's wife. Right. This book. Yeah, and, yeah. And
0: thinking that she's just some kind of like, you know, weird, like depraved sex monster, you know? And so like, it all makes sense. But I think, uh, the fact that it, you know you got to kind of wonder if it hadn't been suppressed and it hadn't been like an underground movement to like get this books in the hands like maybe it wouldn't have found as wide of an audience as they did it's possible it's like that often happens in the cases of well a book banning like our last Mm -hmm. uh, episode i'm glad to have read it i mean it's a quick read it's a it's an interesting read certainly not an uplifting read but worth it i would say
1: i would say you know don't read it all in one sitting or you Mm. might feel like you're going insane but like you know just take breaks.
0: I did read it all in one sitting.
1: I read it in very few settings, uh-huh. and I did feel like I was going a insane. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's,
0: that, I mean, we haven't really talked about that, but the way that the character gets more and more unstable and unreliable is uh, is very effective. It mm-hmm. really it works, because you're almost kind of like, wait, what? What's going on? And it, yeah. it, it just kind of plays with your expectations in a way that I think is impressive and just very well done.
1: And I would say from pretty early on, just sometimes the descriptions of things... Are just really unexpected or Mm -hmm. unsettling, Mm -hmm. which I think is really effective. And so you can kind of pick it out starting to come, but it just becomes even more so. And then there's like just jumps, like you'll be something will be happening, and then boom, you're in another room, you're in another scene. And so you just have this feeling of like being disoriented with the character that I think is really effective.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, did our list here inspire you to pick up any of these one hit wonders?
1: you know i'll make my way around to catcher in the rye at some point okay and weathering heights will happen eventually
0: yes it has to it yeah. has to yep i've always wanted to read invisible man so maybe that's the one i'll just lock in and, and check out and i i did i mean after i read catcher in the rye i wanted to read franny and zoe i just have not yet so those two definitely on my list all right. Uh, should we roll into some library news? With sure. The- December is always a busy time here. I feel like we've got a lot of stuff going. The adult book we club. We always have a lot of stuff. Going. Well, I know, but Christmas in particular, no, it's fair. like it's hard to keep straight. The adult book club is currently reading The Man with a Load of Mischief by Martha Grimes. And I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, dear. It's
0: just, I don't know. It's uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't say it's Agatha Christie-esque necessarily, but it's like... You know, it's set in this like really small town, you know, like small town pub where these bodies keep showing up in the English countryside. And it's just very much that genre. And I don't know, for some reason, I'm having a little trouble like cutting through the dialects and the just the, the, the overall setting. I'm just a little over. So I have to you know? ask,
1: do you not like Agatha Christie?
0: I don't like Agatha Christie's style of mysteries. Okay. Do you like Agatha Christie?
1: I mean, like... I don't think I've read any of her books, but I've seen some of like the plays and I've always been like, yeah, this is a pretty good time.
0: Yeah. I think uh, often, often is the case my main criticism of the books that I've read about her is that I feel like the ending, a lot of times you couldn't possibly have figured out because Mm -hmm. key information was withheld. Yeah. And I just, I don't enjoy that kind of book. It feels kind of like a waste of time. Like if I don't have the, the keys to kind of be solving the mystery as I go along, then it's just kind of like, I feel like I'm treading water until the detective Perot, or whoever is like, right.
1: it's like here's whoa. the key
0: fact. And then it's like, well, duh, obviously, if I would have known that. So it's not one I gravitate towards. I is, was in the mousetrap. Okay. Does that count? I played Sergeant Trotter. Sure. Okay.
1: is And then there were none one of hers sure is yeah okay because i remember seeing the play of that and again the kind of the thing where at the end it's like oh this person is actually alive and yes. we're just like what
0: <laughs> i i where saw this a play of that from? too and if i remember my steve lore, i believe your dad was in a production of that in his youth i
1: think my dad was in a production i think of he that was youth.
0: i think he was i saw this play with uh, a group of friends and it was like a high school version of this play
1: maybe we saw the same one really
0: we- did you see it at Houghton Academy? Oh yeah. So yeah. Okay,
1: we saw this. We saw okay, the same version did. of this play. We saw
0: the same one, and there's a there's a twist in that that I won't give away. But the dude who was playing this character who did the twist, it was like outlandishly and cartoonishly big, and we were all like, "What?" You know, it was it was fun because it was like so over the top <laughs> and unhinged. Like, it just pushed it to the next level. We're, we still talk about this to this day when mm. Agatha Christie comes up.
1: Well, and if I remember correctly, the character who ends up being, like, the villain
0: yeah. was the
1: character that my dad played in his youth. Yes. And so when my sister and I were going to this play, he just casually mentioned before we left, oh, yeah, I played X and such character, yeah. you know, when I was. Right. And we were like, oh, cool. And we came back and we were like, wait, what? You yeah. played that character? Wow.
0: What a villain. I know. What a villain. I do like a good twist. I do like Mousetrap also has a pretty legendary twist in it. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know why we're talking about Agatha Christie.
1: Oh, we got sidetracked from talking because about things the, Martha the library Grimes, is the doing Martha things. Grimes thing. <laughs> yes.
0: December 11th uh, is our big annual, the Friends Do a Trimetry program where there's lots of crafts and Santa will be here for pictures. We've got an indoor farmer's market. We've got crafts and book raffles and prize raffles and everything for all ages that's saturday december 11th so i always like these come and go events that we do the fall fest was so much fun so i'm looking forward to this as well
1: yeah i think these are really fun too. what do you got
0: in the teen world
1: what i have in the teen world next week um on the 7th we're gonna be making magazine silhouette art where you like tear pages out of a magazine you roll them up glue them onto a silhouette of like a bear or something okay you cut it out and then it kind of has this colored textured sort of look Oh. oh That sounds fun. So yes, and the next day on the eighth, we're also going to be doing perler beads. Oh
0: wow, that's that's a throwback. Perler beads, like beads. Perler beads, like pre-pandemic. That was uh, that was a hot button item here at the David A. Howe Public Library. Couldn't get enough. Can't get enough perler. Couldn't get enough of those perler beads. My son, who's seven, also a big perler beads fan.
1: That's good to know. I don't really get it. I never did perler beads growing up. Yeah, and so I started this job actually, and that was like the kind of reintroduction because i'd been aware of it because there's like six
0: thousand perler beads in the team there are so many perler yeah
1: so you know come help me use them all up teens wink wink nudge nudge but it's
0: a great christmas present right there absolutely make your mom a perler bead ornament something whatever okay
1: um but yeah i was kind of surprised by how much of a thing the perler beads were
0: yeah yeah, big time, big time. You got your D and D group going?
1: Yes, on Friday afternoons. Cool. We have D and D for teens and young adults. And mm-hmm. we're taking some uh sign ups for an adult group that will hopefully get started at some point. Cool. Okay. So if you're interested in that, <laughs> you can stop by and fill out a form and Fun. hopefully we'll get that together.
0: Uh, and in the teen discord if people want to join the teen discord
1: yes if people want to join the teen discord
0: teens (laughs) specifically teens. yes yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can stop by the library or give a call or email and i can set you up with that information
0: exciting exciting
1: Send Uh, reminders and GIFs telling you about all the things that are happening in the teen Discord. I love a
0: good GIF. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to next year. We've been trying to lock in the book club schedule. We're going to do a a three-part sci-fi book series where we read Dune, which I've already read, so that's kind of a cheat. Uh, We're going to read read Dune. We're going to read Foundation by Isaac Asimov.
1: Hmm.
0: And we're going to read an Ursula K. Le Guin, The Left Hand of Darkness, I want to say. Okay. Three parts there. Uh, We're going to do a Contemporary Classics where we do some of the you know, most popular books from 2020, 2021. But we're starting this new cozy mystery book series mm-hmm. where um once a month, we're going to read a cheesy, cozy mystery. Uh It's going to be a morning meeting. We're going to have coffee and like donuts and stuff. So that just like a fun. fun hangout time. If you haven't read a cozy mystery before, they require so little of you <laughs> as a reader. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, Tiffany has a bake shop and the guy next door who has an antique store is so gruff will like they the, fall in love also there's a murder <laughs> you the know?
1: autumn version of a beach read kind of a thing yes yeah yeah
0: exactly but year round year round <laughs> so join us for the cozy mystery book club otherwise it's just going to be me reading cozy mysteries and drinking coffee, drinking coffee by myself which to be honest maybe don't come because i don't hate that idea
1: yeah you know like now that you say it out loud it sounds pretty great right? yes yeah
0: I'm, i actually rescind the invitation it's a closed group <laughs> limited to me and my Cozy Mysteries. I am very excited for the next episode of How's Things. So for years now, we have been doing a, this falls right in with Cozy Mysteries, but we've been doing a cozy Christmas read. Hmm. And so it used to be Eric and I would each read one And then my friend Bo Hutchings, who used to be in the Nutcracker here Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, the three of us would read a different cozy mystery book and then just kind of try to explain the plot to each other. Uh, And it just becomes a a convoluted, syrupy, sugary sweet mess of (laughs) Christmas mysteries. So Bo and I are going to be doing that in the next episode. I don't know what he's reading, but I think he's going to go supernatural. So you got a supernatural cozy Christmas mystery so many adjectives. That's a lot of adjectives. You know what's going to be good. <laughs> Mine is set in a donut shop. I think it's called the Donut Donut Christmas Donut Murder. Something very inane like that. And I'm so excited about it. So, uh, is that is that a thing you do? Do you read Christmas books?
1: Um, I can't say that I have read a lot of Christmas books. Mm. I do sometimes watch Christmas movies though.
0: Okay, like Hallmarky kind of Christmas movies. Kind
1: of. I don't know that I've ever actually watched a Hallmark okay. Christmas well, there's, movie. Well, there's
0: literally one thousand of them. Every I know, year, and so. if
1: you look at the covers, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Like male lead wearing green or red shirt, yeah. female lead wearing whatever yes. the other color is. Yeah um but like last year i discovered the princess switch which is a i think it's an exclusively netflix thing okay where vanessa hudgens plays two versions of (laughs) vanessa hudgens okay and there's you know shenanigans they switch places there's baking there's hot cocoa there's all those things that sounds fun it was a really fun time and there's now two sequels i've watched them both wow it's a pretty good time
0: you know what while we're talking are these is these like ya do do they skew kind of young
1: um I think they could. Like, there's okay. nothing about them that's like this isn't a you know specifically for adults.
0: Right. Well, let's say they are because it's a better transition for me. But speaking of YA Christmas things on Netflix, uh, the Dash and Lily series is pretty fun, based oh, yeah? on the book by um, well, it's a book series, it's a trilogy by Rachel Cohn and David Levithan. Uh, we had Rachel Cohn on the show a few years back, um, specifically then we were talking about Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, but. Uh, the the show is eight episodes, something like that. And it's about these two who don't know each other and they leave like clues in a book in a bookstore and then they're kind of like back and forth. Really fun. Really fun little Christmas show. I haven't read the books. I was going to listen to one on audiobook, but there's a million holds on it. So mm, that's the worst. what are you going to do? But yeah, I try to get a couple of Christmas reads in. Lots of Christmas movies, lots of Muppet Christmas things. Oh, excellent. Whatever you got, Muppet and Christmas, throw it my way, you know? So... All right. Well, Allie, thanks for popping back into the old podcast here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Next time, it's going to be Cozy Christmas Mysteries. So as just a fan, as a listener, I hope it makes your Christmas bright. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of How's Things. We'll see you next time.